This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Welcome to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson. I'm a former commercial litigator who used to weigh 242 pounds. When I was 38 years old, I lost over 50 pounds through a regimen of exercise and better nutrition. It took me a year to reach my goal, but I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody can. I'm still asking questions and learning about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. Please join me on this continuing journey. Today, we'll discuss the air quality and lung cleansing with nutraceutical formulator Dr. Gordon Chang. We'll find out how to not quit your workouts with exercise guru, Dr. Stacy Irvine, DC. We'll learn about exciting new research that may change how Crohn's disease is treated with Dr. Ken Koitoru. And lastly, we'll discover how to avoid pickleball injuries with rehab specialist, Dr. Sender Deutsch. Before we get to that, here's your tonic quick shot. A new paper co-authored by two Johns Hopkins pain experts suggests that scrambler therapy, a non-invasive pain treatment, can yield significant relief for approximately 80 to 90% of patients with chronic pain, and it may be more effective than other non-invasive therapy. Scrambler therapy, approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 2009, administers electrical stimulation through the skin via electrodes placed in areas of the body above and below where chronic pain is felt. The goal is to capture the nerve endings and replace signals from the area experiencing pain with signals coming from adjacent areas experiencing no pain, thereby scrambling the pain signals sent to the brain. Shifting from a high-pressure mindset to a curious one improves people's memory. New research from Duke University found that people who imagined being a thief scouting a virtual art museum in preparation for a heist were better at remembering the paintings they saw compared to people who played the same computer game while imagining that they were executing the heist in the moment. These subtle differences in motivation, urgent, immediate goal-seeking versus curious exploration for a future goal, have big potential for framing real-world challenges such as encouraging people to get a vaccine, prompting climate change action, and even treating psychiatric disorders. Large neural networks, a form of artificial intelligence, can generate thousands of jokes along the lines of, why did the chicken cross the road? But do they understand why they're funny? Using hundreds of entries from the New Yorker magazine's cartoon caption contest as a test bed, researchers challenged AI models and humans with three tasks. Matching a joke to a caption, identifying a winning caption, and explaining why a winning caption is funny. In all tasks, humans perform demonstrably better than machines, even as AI advances such as ChatGPT have closed the performance gap. So are machines beginning to understand humor? In short, they're making some progress, but they're not quite there yet. I'll be joined by Dr. Gordon Chang in a moment, but first, a little bit of business. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian-owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. 
Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings, and he's a regular on the show. Welcome back, Gordon. How are you doing? Great. Jamie, thanks for having me back on again. So, you know, I have a dog and I walk the dog. And for the past few weeks, every time I wake up in the morning, my eyes are burning and my lungs are burning from all the fires because, you know what, the effects from the smoke are, you know, seeping into Toronto, even though they're hundreds, thousands of miles away. And and I'm not alone, am I, Gordon? Other people are suffering too. Actually, you're not alone. I mean, I am hoping that things are clearing up and I do believe things are, are clearing up. But there's still a lot of wildfires burning out there. I'm hoping that, you know, these things quiet down, meaning that the fires get put out, etc. But whilst it's happening, these wildfires are dumping a lot of particulates out into the air. All right? And in the air, there's not only particulates we have to worry about. There's also these, when fire burns, it creates chemicals. Right. And if these chemicals are airborne, guess what? We breathe them in, they affect our bodies in a negative fashion. We as you know, as individuals, we can hide in an air-conditioned room or air-conditioned building, etc. And we can alleviate some of the um, issues with the smoke. However, you can't do that with your dog, right. your cat, your horse. You know, anything that requires you to be outdoors, you can't really hide from that, right? So, and these things take a toll on our respiratory system. Right. Like, obviously, you know, when there's a when there's an advisory, when they're, when they're saying the air quality is really bad and everybody should be paying attention to it, we stay in as much as we can. That's obvious. But I think people don't appreciate how harmful the smoke can be for us and our pets, right? Like, there are real issues that impact our respiratory system, for sure, right? Yeah, I, you know, I said... I mean, we stay indoors, but I mean, for half a day, we could stay indoors. You, you can't do that with your dog, no. your cat, or your horse. Even us, we can't do that for too long. So we have to go out there, and whether we like it or not, we have to deal with it. One of the biggest issues with the smoke is an inflammatory response that, that you'll see in, in animals and in us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, inflammation, a little bit of inflammation is not a bad thing problem with inflammation is when it becomes too much, it can lead to scarring in the lung tissue, which later on can lead to loss of suppleness in the lungs, so it makes it a lot more difficult to breathe because of that. Right? And the scarring of the lungs also take up a lot of what we call the, the, the surface area, which allow air exchange to occur. Right? So that means the amount of air that goes in, what actually gets absorbed by the bloodstream, when the air, I mean by, I, I mean oxygen gets absorbed by the bloodstream, actually can diminish because the surface area drops big time with scarring, right? Exchange of carbon dioxide coming from the body into the uh, into the expired air also is diminished. So we we have a lot of issues. So it's worth our while to actually look into that and look into trying to help inhibit some of that inflammation. So how long does it take for the inflammation to create scarring? Is it, can, it depends. 
right? Yeah. And, and I know people don't don't like to hear the word, it depends, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if you are outdoors all the time during the height of the smoking season, of the fire season, right, you don't see the effects of this damage until lo- a lot later on in life. Okay. Right? It doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately, because sometimes you have these, what, what we call chronic inflammation. So it's inflammation sets up, but it takes a sweet time to happen. It's like cancer. Cancer grows slowly, and then all of a sudden, boom, you find you, you have a big tumor, right? Because what happens is that the body, when you're younger, etc., the body has mechanisms that will help handle some of these effects of smoke, etc. Okay? But as we get older, these things are not as efficient or as effective, so we need to give it a helping hand. So it's not a bad thing to even do something like a lung cleanse or, mm-hmm. or clean out the lungs every so often. And, and I'm not talking about that going with a scrubber and scrub anything, because obviously <laughs> you can't do that. Right. right. But there are certain herbs you can take which will help have expectorant activity to get rid of mucus. Right. It has things in there which, which is the most important part, I think, is the antioxidant activity that specifically target the lung tissue. Right. So these antioxidants are very helpful to help inhibit the inflammation effect. That makes sense. Before we get into the specific nutraceutical products that might be helpful, is there any general advice other than sort of perhaps doing these cleanses that we can do to support our, our lung health? Is there, do you have well, any advice the, generally? The, or? The, things, the, the things that you can do stay out, I mean, the, the, uh, what I call this common sense approach, sure. things, right? Stay out of the smoke, right? Yeah. Uh, minimize your exposure, Right, and you know things like consuming more water to help you wash it out, etc. Right, mm-hmm. these are some of the what I call common sense approach to some of these things. Right, of course, there are also some antioxidants you can take, things like the vitamin C, quercetin, etc., that helps inhibit inflammation. Right, general antioxidants will help do that also. Okay. Do you want to talk about some of the herbal remedies that have been known to work and and how they work? Do you want to do that? Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about a cleanse, I mean, obviously, we don't mean getting in there with a scrubbing brush or or a toothbrush to clean out the the, the tissue, because obviously that's not going to happen. So what we're talking about is using the body's own cleansing mechanism and enhancing it so that it gets rid of a lot of the toxins. So there's two types of toxins you have to worry about, the particulates and also the chemicals, right? Mm -hmm. And I use the word chemical very loosely, right? Chemicals are things that you pick up in the smoke that will dissolve and get into the body. And that that in itself sets up different inflammatory mechanisms, et cetera. But one of the things with the chemicals, people don't normally think of the lungs as a tissue that can break down chemicals. But, you know, if you think of it, of when you do your um, alcohol test, you know, when the police pulls you over and the mm-hmm. breathalyzer test, right. well, guess what they're looking for? Expired alcohol. So it shows that the, the lungs are metabolically active. It helps you get rid of some of these things, so some of these toxins, right? So in order to enhance some of these actions on of the lungs, there are specific herbs that have been shown to be very effective and help enhance the mechanisms of, of detoxification. So things like the Chinese skullcap root, mm-hmm. that, that's a very effective one. It also has antioxidant activity, anti-inflammatory activity, expectorant activity. A lot of these herbs also do several things or do many things, okay? Mm-hmm. There are things like monk fruit, 
right? Chrysanthemum flowers, mulberry leaves, right? Rosemary also, honeysuckle, peppermint, right? All these things help. Uh, and usually it's a good idea to take a number of these things together in combination. And I know that there's some purists who will just say, oh, just give me one herb and that's it, right? Well, a lot of these herbs work by different biochemical pathways. And the reason you want to do a combination, or for want of a better way, way of saying, way of saying a formula, is that you tap on many of the different biochemical mechanisms with the different herbs that you use. And because you tap on many different biochemical pathways or mechanisms, you get a much more effective product or a much more effective way of cleaning out the lungs biochemically. Right? And one of the things you also want to look at is your particulate matter that accumulates in the lung tissue, right? A, a lot of these, you see these in, in people who smoke cigarettes and, you know, being exposed to wood smoke, etc. cetera, over, over years does accumulate a lot of these small particulate matters. And what happens with these particular matter, matter is that it gets embedded in the lung tissue. The lungs are a wonderful organ. They can help deal with some of these particulates, provided the number is small. Right. So what they basically do, there's some, there's some inflammation and the particulates get walled off inside the lung tissue. The problem with it is that if it just walls off a little part of the lung tissue, it's not a problem. The walling off process is resulting from inflammation. So inflammation, the problem is you need to control that amount of inflammation. When inflammation occurs, bad tissue gets damaged as well as good tissue also gets damaged. So what you have to try and do is to try to minimize the inflammation so it, it will just damage or, or deal with the, what I call the damaged tissue, okay? Yeah. So you want to minimize the effect of inflammation on healthy tissue. And that's the major reason for, for, for taking any type of herbs or so that will help with the inflammation response. So, you know, I think when you use the word like cleanse, most people think of like sort of a, like a procedure or like a, a one-shot situation. Is, is that the way it works for lung cleanse or is it preventative or do you take it over time? How does it not work? Cleansing, I always tell everybody, cleansing is not a one-stop shop. It's like cleaning your house. Who cleans your house one time only, sweeps the floors once and never sweeps it again for the rest of their life? Doesn't occur, right? Of course. You go in every so often and, and continue the, the cleaning. But when you have the exposure to the smoke, like what we've been experiencing for the last month or two months, mm-hmm. you're getting exposed to a lot higher amount than you normally would. Of course. Right? So yeah. it's like if you, if you live in a dusty area, you've got to sweep more often. Same thing, same, same analogy here. If you've been exposed to a lot more smoke, you do the lung cleanse a lot more, a lot more frequently. And basically what you're trying to do with a lung cleanse yeah. or a lung flush is to keep ahead of the smoke. And don't forget our animal friends because we, we talk about people. We have options in the sense that we can stay indoors and, and hide. Most of our animals cannot, don't have that option. All right, they have to be outside, not because they, they just want to be outside. They don't, they don't know of the bad side effects of, these, of the smoke, etc. They, you know, we can't sit the dog down and say to him, hey, Rover, I can't let you out today because, right. yeah. you know, he's standing at the door and watching you and saying, hey, when are we going for a walk? Exactly. Right? You can't use the W word. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Okay. So, so that, all that being said, so given that we have had a few months 
of this smoke in the air. What do you think the protocol should be if we're inclined to do a lung cleanse? Like, how often should we do it, or when should we get to it? I would suggest during the the smoke season when there's so much smoke, do it as an ongoing thing, uh, you know, a week or two weeks, as the case may be. Right. And the nice thing about these a lot of these herbs that they're very there's basically no side effects to them. Okay. Now yeah. after having said that, there's always one person or, or one animal who might have a side effect, right? And by that, I'll, I'll say they may feel a little bit ill with it, or they get diarrhea. If that occurs, just discontinue use. Right. Well, one last question for you. you you've mm-hmm. mentioned the animals. Does omega alpha? Uh, make products uh, for for animal lung, or, or can you oh, yeah. use the same products? We, we have um, something for the animals. Um, we it's sold through the pet stores. It's called Lung Tone. Yeah. Right. And for horses, we have a product called the Equine Lung Flush, and we have an, another one called the Respa Free. Right. There's several different um, products out there, and on the human side, we also have the Lung Flush and also have Respa So you can find those um, products in most of the health food stores. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me on, Jamie. That was Dr. Gordon Chang. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to keep up your fitness routine on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Tired of lineups at your pharmacist? Why not try PharmaZ at the Zoomer store? Powered by the Health Depot, an Ontario-accredited pharmacy, PharmaZ offers a concierge approach to filling, refilling, and managing your prescriptions with free delivery anywhere in Ontario. To get started, visit zoomerstore.com and click on PharmaZ. And then click on the Circle of Care Pharmacy program for your free initial consultation with a clinical pharmacist. Don't wait. Go today. If you're looking for premium natural products, choose New Roots Herbal, proudly Canadian and family-owned for over 35 years. What really sets them apart is their dedication to quality. They source only the highest quality ingredients and test each one in a state-of-the-art ISO-accredited lab. You get the purity and potency you expect. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. To learn more or find a store near you, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Dr. Stacey Irvine, D.C., is the co-founder of Totem Life Science. The philosophy and identity of Totem Life have been greatly influenced by Stacey's love of athletics and her passionate belief that everyone will benefit from a healthy, active lifestyle in their own unique way. Through her work as a chiropractor and strength and conditioning specialist, Dr. Irvine's clientele ranges from beginners just starting out on an exercise program to elite and professional athletes looking for advanced rehabilitation and training program strategies. And she also happens to be a frequent guest on the show. Welcome back, Stacey. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Very happy to be here. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, <laughs> when I was in law school, 
my best friend and I both signed up to exercise. Like we joined a club. We were both like from Toronto, but we went to Western and we joined and I worked out the entire year and three weeks into signing up, he never saw the inside of that location again. And I think a lot of people have great intentions and they start workouts, but then they quit them. Would you agree? I would agree. It's a story as old as time. As time I, itself, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I think back in the day, there were many workout facilities designed yeah. more targeted towards your friend than you, actually. That it's is a big the, problem. That is the big box model. Keep for you to sign up, and then they also, you know, they make it easy for you to quit. And, oh, and, yeah, and, they, hope, they hope that you stay signed up, but you don't actually come in. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, but everybody has these good intentions because exercise is so important, right? Like exercise really is important, isn't it? It really is. It's, it, to me, it's one of the most important things, obviously, something that, you know, you and I love to talk about. Talking about a few things, you know, exercise completely dictates your blood flow, how well your metabolism works. It's tied into brain health. It's essential for your longevity. It's crucial to aging in a healthy way. It influences your hormones, which influence your mood. I could list you a hundred more things. I won't. Your listeners have probably heard them all before, but Let's just kind of summarize to say that it is one of the most important things you can do. Movement is medicine. That is true. Excellent. Well done. Uh, Let's move on to those people who stop exercising. And I have my thoughts on why it happened. I gave an example, but you see it firsthand. Why do people stop exercising? Why do they do it? There's a few reasons. Okay, so oftentimes we have great goals in mind, and I find that people get motivated because they reach kind of a low point. So I'll give you an example or a story of we've all been through the Christmas holidays. Right. And then we're all very familiar with the New Year's resolution and the New Year's rush that happens in the gym. Yep. So if you kind of dig deep into this, what happened? In most cases, it's winter time. We've been a bit more sedentary. Then we go through the holidays where we eat more, we drink more, our health habits deteriorate during that time because we're busy with family. Hopefully we're busy, busy socializing and exercise has taken a lower priority. We look in the mirror on January 1st and we say, oh my God, you know, what have I done? I need to get into the gym. And in many ways, we have to look back at what, what was our goal and what was our motivation. And the majority of the cases are in a situation where the goal is a little bit too lofty. So we think that we can start working out right away, and we think that within a few weeks, we're going to make this complete change to our lifestyle. We're going to get back in shape really quickly. We're going to look differently. And, in you know, that is not the case. That is rarely the case. These changes and these decisions are lifelong decisions. So if we're looking for a goal that is a short-term fix or an instant result, you know, we have it popping up on our screens every day, lose the belly fat in 12 days, I think is the latest one. God. Those are not good goals, and those will often leads to quitting because you're doing it for that reason and you're not going to get that result. That's one of the most common things. Yeah. Can I throw one out there? Yes. So I'm a creature of habit. I think you and I have discussed this and 
I can do the same exercises like week after week. Right. But at some point it's kind of like, Oh, I, I just can't do this anymore. It's the same old, same old. And, and I think, you know, people get stuck in their routines and then they kind of decide, well, you know, I'm just not enjoying this. Like it's not fun anymore. It's just something I'm doing. I think that's a problem. You're absolutely right with that situation. And it's encouraged that people add more variety they're doing so that we don't have that burnout. Burnout is a very common thing that happens. It can happen at work. It can happen in relationships. Human brains like variety. If your routine is missing variety, you are at risk of burnout. And when we talk about routines, one of the other most common reasons people quit is their schedule. Something changes, a job changes, or in many cases, you know, something happens with your family or you're looking after someone or, you know, for females, you might be having a baby or you might be required to, you know, change your schedule in a significant way. And oftentimes when our schedule changes, it doesn't go towards more free time. It goes towards less free time. And understanding that and then understanding how can I get movement into my daily routine is crucially important. And maybe we're looking it in many ways the wrong way because we're looking for these lofty results of this, you know, uber fit physique. Instead, maybe we should be looking at what makes me feel good. And in every case, moving more throughout the day improves how you feel. It improves your health. It has the biggest impact. And I think that if we change the goals a little bit, we might have less of this quitting. What else can we do to stop the quitting? So, so changing your goals, what else can we do? We can keep ourselves accountable. That could include hiring someone to help us. So hiring a professional to help us set up a program and someone that we're checking in with. It could include doing something with a friend. In many cases, it could just even include telling your friends and telling your family, I'm going on this journey. I'm going to try to exercise more. I'm going to try to move more. I need your help. So being honest and being transparent can often help prevent the reasons that cause us to quit. I'm going to throw my two cents worth in. Convenience and proximity are issues that impact all of us, particularly post-COVID. Like people are making decisions, you know, like Barbie and Oppenheimer aside, people are deciding not to go to the movies because <laughs> it's, it's a pain. And, and I think people are making the decision, well, you know, maybe I don't want to go to the gym because it's a schlep or it's time out of my day. And, you know, even putting in a home gym might be an answer because then you can't, really don't have the excuse of, well, I don't have time and it's, you know, it's inconvenient for me to drive, you know, however far you're driving to get to the gym. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense to me. And I think it's a very good, strong point. There's another thing that we're going to see, I believe, is that financial stress yeah. is going to become more and more challenging for us, especially people living in big centers where the cost of our housing and the cost of trying to eat healthy are really skyrocketing. And then on top of that, you have potentially this gym membership. And I think that for a lot of our population, it might become something that's difficult to afford. I love the idea of a home gym. And as you know, a home gym doesn't have to be fancy. No. It can be a mat, a set of weights, and maybe some resistance bands. There are so many, so many videos available. There's so many great programs out there that you can access that can help motivate you. 
My other very favorite gym is going out in nature and going for a walk and getting that to be part of your routine and maybe, again, changing the narrative that we should start to appreciate the benefits of that. You know, a workout doesn't just mean that you're drenched in sweat and, you know, you're lifting heavy weights. A workout can be going out onto a trail, doing a great walk, throwing a few stairs in there. It's free. It gets you out the door, especially for those people that are now working from home. I think it's really crucial to spend as much time outside. Maybe you're walking to get your groceries, or maybe you're running errands, but you're incorporating more movement into all those daily activities. I really think that that's the way to make sure that it never stops. So it's more of a shift in your mindset than, you know, setting goals or things like that. It's saying during the day, I'm going to try to move as much as I possibly can. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's say uh, you were at a cocktail party and somebody came up to you and said, you know what, Stacey, I've been working out for years, but, you know, I just, for whatever reason, I got busy and I just stopped working out, but I want to get back to it. What advice would you give them? (laughs) Believe it or not, this happens to me all the time. I'm sure. (laughs) I like it. What should you do? Well, I think you need to think about, so what's the reason? What, like, why do you want to get back to it? What are you working on? So for most of us, we really do need to think about our muscle mass and the fact that as we age, it gets less and less. So my number one priority for every human being that's over the age of 20 is how are you going to get some resistance training into your life? And if the person is open to that, then we're going to start having a conversation about, you know, how can you actually do this? Are you a morning person? Do you like to work out at night? When is it going to fit into your schedule? What's going to be reasonable? Then I'm, the next step is I'm going to recommend them to go talk to someone who's a professional to help them design a program. And then I want them to do a check back in. So I want them to go work on their own for about four weeks. And then I want them to check back with that person and say, how am I doing? I hate this exercise. I like this exercise. Which ones can I change? This is working. This isn't working. How do I make it so that I love going to do my exercise and I feel good about it and I'm getting the results that I want? Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been a pleasure. That was uh, Stacey Irvine. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss new research into Crohn's disease on The Tonic. Real self-care means tuning in to what your body needs. If you're feeling overwhelmed, Campra of Women is a good place to start. Whether you're looking to reduce stress or anxiety, improve sleep, balance hormones through peri and post-menopause, or just feel better daily, our comprehensive formulas are designed to support your individual health goals. Your body, your health. Visit canprevwomen.ca to learn more today. Imagine a healthier and happier you. Hi there, I'm Dr. Cordial Karamantang, head of the ICU at the Ottawa Hospital. Every day, I see how important healthy habits are. And that's why I've created a course that could change your life. Do you want to lose weight? Feel happier? I've got a few pointers to share with you. So why not take my course and give it a try? It's risk-free with a money-back guarantee. Visit 28dayreboot.co. That's 28dayreboot.co. Let's make a change together. Join the Big Carrot for their Courtyard Market Sunday, September 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
shop local organic vendors, and enjoy green roof activities and drop-in garden workshops. There's barbecue, live music, big deals, and a kid's craft zone. Fun for the whole family. And admission is free. Stop by 348 Danforth Avenue. The Big Carrot, your one-stop shop for everything health and wellness. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. A 15-year genetic environmental microbial, or what's otherwise known as GEM, project supported by Crohn's and Colitis Canada has found a specific combination of gut bacteria is triggering the development of Crohn's disease. This international research, led by uh, Toronto's Mount Sinai Hospital, is one step closer to preventing Crohn's disease from happening. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Ken Kroitoru, uh, Division of Gastroenterology at Mount Sinai Hospital and GEM Project Architect and Lead Investigator about this research breakthrough. Welcome to the show, Doctor. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm fine, and uh, thank you for having me. So what is inflammatory bowel disease? Inflammatory bowel disease is a combination of diseases, uh, commonly referred to as either Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And these diseases affect the bowel, causing inflammation to varying degrees and leading to significant symptoms, including severe diarrhea and bleeding, and sometimes even leading to the need for surgery. And the GEM study, can you elaborate on that a bit? So the GEM project is a... um, as you mentioned in the intro, a 15-year project that was designed to try to understand what triggers or causes the disease. And we decided some 15 years ago that the way to answer this question was to study people who develop Crohn's disease, but study them before they develop Crohn's disease. So what we did here is we recruited first-degree relatives of someone who has Crohn's disease. And these first-degree relatives are healthy at the time they are recruited. And we take samples from them when they are healthy. And then we watch and wait and see who develops Crohn's. And by then looking at what makes those who develop Crohn's different from those who do not, we try to understand what might be the trigger or the cause of the disease. So what what are some of the things that you found? What are the key findings as a result of this study? So... There have been many uh, key findings over the last uh, 15 years. Of note of late is this recent study that we've just published, which looks at the type of bacteria that are present, again, in those individuals who go on to develop disease. When we compare them to the uh, healthy people, those that remain healthy, so that we can look to see what is different about their gut bacteria that may help us understand why they develop disease. And that's what this particular study is now showing, is we've identified a pattern or a signature, if you like, of the different bacteria within the gut of the healthy people who many years later go on to develop the disease. And we're hoping that this tells us something about how the disease is actually triggered. So could this lead to a cure for IBD? Well, we are all very optimistic and always looking for something that may help us understand 
how we can improve our treatment. And cure, of course, is a very strong word. Right. But yes, we're very, very hopeful that this will lead us certainly to improve treatment, maybe even prevention, but also possibly a cure. That's uh, good news. I was just... Uh I was just speaking with my mother. Uh, we were reminiscing about my father who actually had ulcerative colitis. And her, her comment to me was, you know, there, there's no cure. Uh, and so in, in prepping for this interview, uh, I was interested to hear the progress that you've made because it certainly would have impacted his life tremendously. Let's talk about, you know, what you're most excited about in terms of the, of the GEM research and, and Crohn's care because 15 years is a long time with one study. 15 years is a very long time and a huge amount of uh, investment both in time and people and money. And it's really one of the, this, this particular GEM project design is probably one of the only things, only ways to try and answer the question as to what could the actual triggers be for this disease. And it hits home. I mean, your story is a uh, you know, one of many that, uh, you know, I personally have heard and, and uh, deal with every day in my clinical practice. So what excites me the most is the potential for really changing the way in which we approach patients and, and treat them and treat them in a way that it just doesn't control the inflammation temporarily, but maybe really changes the natural history of the disease so that you can actually go on treatments and not have to have uh, biologic therapies, et cetera. I mean, that is the hope. Right. So it's a very exciting time to be able to look at this possibility actually materializing. And it's from data and studies like this that we hope to be able to do this maybe in the next five years or next 10 years. But I think there's a real possibility here. That is exciting. So my understanding is that as compared to the rest of the world, there's actually a higher incidence of uh, IBD in Canada. Why do you think that is? Well, that's also a very good question, and it talks to what is the trigger for the disease. So as you mentioned at the top of this interview, GEM stands for Genetic, Environmental, and Microbial Causes for Crohn's Disease. And we know that there is an inherited uh, predisposition something that's in your genes, but that is not enough. Not everyone who has the genes that have been identified develop disease. And for example, if you were, <clears throat> there's a study, that, another study that I'm involved in, uh, looking at South Asians who've immigrated to the greater Toronto area, <clears throat> and the first generation seems to be relatively uh, protected, if you like, or have a lower incidence. Right. But their second generation South Asians who moved to our neighborhood seem to have the same increased risk that we are seeing in Ontarians in general. So there's something in the environment, something in, who knows, the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe, we just don't know yet. That seems to be an important element of this trigger. And it may be expressing itself in that difference in bacteria that we've just found. Well, yeah, it seems so, it, it seems to me like like if you're talking about gut microbiomes and you have you know a high a high number of immigrants, which is you know certainly the Canadian experience, like maybe just eating different foods or being in a different environment is, is creating different gut microbiomes, and that's impacting the disease. Sorry, I'm not a doctor. I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm I, spitballing. I 
Uh, that's exactly right. And in fact, when you ask me, or will ask me, what are we going to do next? Yeah. It is looking at how is it that we can modify this signature, these abnormal bacteria, so that we can maybe move it towards something that looks more normal. And the obvious choices are dietary approaches as the number one. If right. we can understand what it is in our diets that either helps protect you from this or even helps you develop disease. And then we can decide maybe how to change that so that we can, uh, again, prevent disease or improve treatment. There are a lot of diet studies out there right now, but we don't really have good evidence to know which diet or which components of diet are really going to make a difference. Hmm. My understanding is also, unfortunately, that Crohn's seems to be impacting older Canadians as well. Why do you think that is? Well, it's an interesting observation. I think it's a, a combination of several things. One is that there is an accumulation of people who have disease. So in other words, the prevalence is increasing over time. Okay. So people are developing disease in their early you know, teens, uh, even young children, and into adulthood. And these people who go on to you know, grow up are adding to the number of seniors who have the disease as well. So we're seeing this increase as an accumulation of the events as this disease occurs over a lifetime. Okay, a lot of food for thought there. A lot, lot of en- encouraging uh, information that you gave us too, which is great. What are resources uh, that are available for our listeners if they want to learn more about Crohn's disease, I- IBD, and, and, and the GEM study? Where should they go? Well, there are several, and, and it's always uh, difficult with the internet uh, to really be able to know what is a good source of information or not. Right. But I would highly recommend the Crohn's Colitis Canada website. You know, that is one that is, uh, I think, a good source of very good information. There are people who do good work, and they've been a major supporter of uh, this GEM project for the last 15 years. Uh, there are other similar sort of websites. Uh, I think you try and stay away from something that sounds, you know, very uh, individual-based. There are a lot of individual stories that this works or that works. Those are hard to really assess uh, as to whether this is true for everybody. So I think the Crohn's Colitis Canada is a good place to start. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. That was Dr. Ken Kroitoru. Uh, We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to avoid pickleball injuries on The Tonic. Join the Big Carrot for their Courtyard Market Sunday, September 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Shop local organic vendors and enjoy green roof activities and drop-in garden workshops. There's barbecue, live music, big deals, and a kid's craft zone. Fun for the whole family, and admission is free. Stop by 348 Danforth Avenue, The Big Carrot, your one-stop shop for everything health and wellness. Real self-care means tuning in to what your body needs. If you're feeling overwhelmed, CanPrev Women is a good place to start. Whether you're looking to reduce stress or anxiety, improve sleep, balance hormones through peri and post-menopause, or just feel better daily, our comprehensive formulas are designed to support your individual health goals. Your body, your health. 
Visit canprevwomen.ca to learn more today. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Dr. Sender Deutsch is the co-founder and clinic director of Shape Health and Wellness Centers uh, Toronto, a celebrity sports therapist and chiropractor. He has uh, also developed a unique individualized concept of integrated therapy training, which combines the most effective evidence-based treatment modalities and exercise techniques to create a personalized treatment plan just for you. The concept is on the cutting edge of physical therapy and personal fitness under his direction, Shape has assembled an unparalleled team of healthcare providers and conditioning specialists to implement individualized health and fitness programs, ensuring that you achieve your goals. For more information, visit shapetoronto.com. Welcome, Sender. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me today. So the new hot sport, the it sport, as it were, being marketed to everyone, including those who aren't necessarily uh, particularly active or even like older Canadians, is pickleball. And my view is uh, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing injuries. Uh, So are you seeing injuries at the clinic from pickleball? And what are those injuries, if so? Yes, we're seeing actually a ton of injuries. Specifically uh, this year, the the increase has been drastic now that, you know, COVID is in the rearview mirror. Uh, And we're seeing lots of ankles, hips, knees, low back, because it's being primarily played by the baby boomer population and they haven't been training for all the stops and starts required in the, in the sport. I think part of the reason is the way the sport is marketed. I mean, I think it is you know, easier for people to play pickleball than it is, for example, to play tennis or squash, but that doesn't mean it isn't physical. And, and as you said, it doesn't mean it doesn't come with stops and starts. So I think, I think people have an unrealistic view of what they're going to be doing when they get on the court. That's an excellent point, most, most definitely. People think it's an easy sport and it's social and you can just go out and play it and there's, there's no risks. But any time you're playing you know, any type of sport, specifically a rotational sport, uh, you have to have trained for it you know, prior to going out there. And I always like to say you, know, you need to be in shape to play your sport versus you know, playing the sport to get into shape. And unfortunately, people haven't been training properly. And that leads to a host of injuries that we're seeing. Is there such a thing as pickleball elbow? Is it like tennis elbow? Does it exist? Or did I For make sure. It? Yeah. yeah. Pickleball elbow, wrist, shoulder. You know, we're seeing it all just because people haven't been training properly, again, for like this rotational tennis-like sport. And if you haven't, you know, worked those small intrinsic muscles and are also doing it properly with proper technique, then that's typically when amateurs are going to see shoulder injuries versus you know, in, in sports like uh, tennis, golf, you, you know, you want to develop the power from, from the hips, from the legs, and then it, 
it's transferred to the upper body. Only 10% of the energy you use to develop that force should actually come from from the upper body. But what happens, people with the pickleball, they're just, you know, flinging their wrists, elbows, and that's what leading leading to those injuries like you just stated. Okay. So if you were to get injured on the pickleball court, what's the recommended protocol? What would you tell people? Well, if you see any type of inflammation or bruising right away, you want, definitely want to ice, elevate, you know, compress that area, you know, take some anti-inflammatories or anti-inflammatory creams such as, you know, Tremil, uh, Arnica, and then you want to get, uh, you know, therapy right away and get the proper diagnosis, treatment, and ensure that you rehabilitate it correctly. What are the indicia that you might need to go to the emergency room? I know that sounds drastic for pickleball, but I imagine it might happen. Yeah, well, definitely. Like if you hear a pop, a sudden pop in your knee, uh, if you can't bear any weight on your ankle and walk a few steps, you know, uh, that's definitely one of the cardinal signs that you probably should go get an x-ray or see, seek the emergency care route to ensure, you know, you haven't fractured a bone in your ankle if uh, the ankle is very swollen for example or you know possibly you could need an MRI for your knee if you've heard a pop to rule out an ACL type injury or meniscal injury okay so what can we do to avoid injuries it seems silly but I you know like if you're going to play pickleball you got to prepare yourself so so what would you recommend where would you start you know, the best research at evidence base is uh, doing a proper warm-up, a proper dynamic warm-up is what it's called, where you're moving and preparing the body for the exercise to come. I think what happens a lot of time is people are, are rushing, they're hopping out of their car, and they just go onto the courts and start playing without doing a proper warm-up where you do some, you know, lunges, lateral lunges, you know, some butt kicks, a little run, you know, getting your body warmed up and prepared for the exercise to come along with the fact of doing, you know, a proper strength and conditioning routine, you know, to ensure that you're strong enough through the muscles to generate the forces needed and also tolerate the forces that are coming back at you. Also, a lot of times people are playing pickleball on these courts that are concrete, you know, outside that have been converted into pickleball courts. And that's a lot of pressure versus, you know, playing on like a sport court where, you know, there's some padding and shock absorption. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's circle back a bit to strength and conditioning for a moment. So, sure. you, you know, just given the type of motion that's involved with a racket sport, you know, what would you focus in on in terms of strength and conditioning? Well, you definitely want to generate a lot of strength uh, throughout the leg muscles, hip muscles specifically, as we were discussing before, you want to generate the power from the hips. So any type of lunges, single leg exercises, squats, are great to develop the strength in through the lower body and core necessary that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Okay. Uh, and you, you start off with warm-up. Are you a proponent of cool-downs? Do you attach the same uh, significance to it, or, or are you one of those who says, no, the warm-up is the key, the cool-down doesn't matter? The cool-down definitely is, is key, especially in the aging population and those that you know, are primarily playing this sport because you, you, know, you lose elasticity in through your tissues as you age. So you know, it's really stretching and taking the time afterwards to kind of reset those muscles back to their you know, original resting length is a, is a great idea. However, it's definitely not as, as important as that dynamic warm-up in terms of preventing injuries you know, prior to playing. So if you were to have to pick one depending upon your time, you know, definitely don't skip that dynamic warm-up. 
Okay, so uh, you alluded to the fact that you know some some of these pickleball courts are really just like converted basketball courts or, or you know multi-purpose courts as opposed to specifically built pickleball courts, and that sort of got me thinking about equipment. Are there shoes that you would recommend or anything that people should be considering when, when playing pickleball that might help prevent injury? Oh, most definitely. That's a great point is that, you know, you probably want to be wearing a tennis type shoe that, you know, prevents you from rolling over in terms of your ankle. That's providing good lateral support and stability. Those that do suffer from any type of arthritis would be better also with, uh, you know, a thicker type sole uh, as well to help them uh, counteract those ground reaction forces as well and absorb them. So at the end of the day, pickleball is still, a, you know, there's physicality to it. You know, it's not like throwing darts. Uh, you know, there's a little bit more to it. So uh, particularly just given that we're, you know, we're now in the midst of summer, I would imagine the hydration is an issue as well, yeah? Most definitely. A lot of people just don't, don't drink enough, you know, day to day in terms of keeping their muscles and body, you know, well hydrated. 80% of our body is, you know, water. So in order for it to function properly, prevent injuries and keep the joints lubricated, you definitely want to be, you know, drinking throughout. And if it is a, an extremely hot day, definitely having uh, some type of electrolyte mix as well will, won't help, uh, won't hurt, sorry, uh, to prevent those injuries as well. Okay, uh, one last question, and that is, you know, if, we're, if we are on the pickleball court, what should we be looking for as potential warning signs that we may have overdone it or, or potentially on the cusp of causing an injury? Well, if you're feeling any type of pain, you definitely want to listen to your body and, you know, slow down, back off, and make sure uh, it's not getting worse. Definitely, I would stop if you're feeling pain that is, is creating you from feeling uncomfortable uh, and preventing you from actually properly playing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Gordon Chang, Dr. Stacey Irvine, Dr. Ken Koitoru, and Dr. Sender Deutsch. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The July-August issue is now available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.